those <coughs> people who were on the reservation, they've all been taught about the Creator. And Paul going there, let me introduce you to the Creator you already know, yeah. and His Son, and like you know, there's the statue. That, let me introduce you to this unknown God, mm -hmm. because almost every culture had a God beyond their gods that they really didn't pay much attention to, and the the longer time went on, the more they forgot about him. But this was the Creator and who had made everything. But He's invisible, and you can't really get to know Him, and you can't control Him, so He's not as interesting as the gods they made up and imagined <laughs> right. all around them. But every every culture has this, uh, had that foundation, and he would go in there and, and start to work where they were at and with their culture and with these differences and introduce them to a God that knows them personally and who they are and has re already revealed things to them through creation and through yeah. the experience that they had coming down from Noah as well. Yeah. He so, wanted that relationship. Yeah. You know, and he is, he's absolutely even more interesting than all these other ones because you can't control him. <laughs> that in itself makes him interesting, yeah. you know, and that in itself makes him an adventure to walk with him and follow him, man. Yeah. You look at Pete and James and John and Bart and all those guys, the 12 disciples, you know, that they, they found out it was an adventure to follow this guy. This is the coolest, craziest thing we've ever done, you know. You look at that when they walked into a place and here comes a guy coming out of the tomb, buck naked, you know, yeah. all cut up and all messed up right. and dirty. And he's got over 6,000, a legion of demons in him. Mm -hmm. And they're like, whoo, we weren't expecting that when we came. <laughs> we just came off on the craziest boat ride we ever went on. And now we get to shore in this, you know, <laughs> you know. You know, they weren't expected to come on to another, you know, and that'd be, you know, horror, the first case of deviled ham ever recorded, you know, when Jesus came and let us go in the pig, you know. Yeah, I, can, I'll give you a side story. To one of my favorite stories to tell, I don't know if I told this one yet, but one day my wife and I were having a discussion. You know, them husband and wife discussions that, you know, if you're the dude and you are right, you still ain't one. You know what I'm saying? You know? And at the end of the discussion, my wife fired out at me. Ooh, you think you're so right all the time, you know. And I a little bit walked away from the discussion. And a little bit later, I was sitting in the throne room, you know. And I sat on the throne there, and I started talking to God. I didn't think he was listening. I don't know why I do that, but I do that often. And I said, hey, sir, from your throne to mine. I said, we both got a white throne this way. I said, I, I, said, uh, I know I'm not right all the time. I said, I know that I make mistakes. I said, but even so, when I am right, it sure pisses my old lady off. I said, you you know, you ain't never wrong. You don't ever make mistakes. I said, anybody ever get pissed off at you? And dude, I knew how I knew this, I don't know. And how someone who exists out of time could have a, a place in time. But I knew he was leaning against the door of my bathroom. And as clear as you're hearing my voice, I hear this. You'll get used to it. And I was like... Oh, well, you're right again, because if you're right all the time, I better just get used to it. And then I was like, I said, dude, I said, what are you doing in here? I said, can you not talk through the door like everybody else? And he went, you started this conversation. And all I got out was, yeah, but. And I was going to say, yeah, but I didn't know you were listening. But I got the yeah, but and realized, oh, he's right again. You know, <laughs> you know? and I, <clears throat> I got about it there and. Went on about my business and 
short while later, my wife and I had another discussion. And uh, near the end of the discussion, she fired out at me again. You think you're so right all the time. I learned a very, very valuable lesson right here in this, in this discussion because there's some things that God shares with you that you ain't meant to share with other folk, you know? And I really should have thought this through a whole lot better, but I fired out, you'll get used to it. <laughs> that did not go over that well for me, man. <laughs> and you, my wife's a beautiful woman, but you can see the red coming up in her face, man. You know? And boy, I, I turned and ran for the door, boy. <laughs> and as I was going out the door, I, I said, God, that did not go over as well for me. <laughs> and it was behind me. I, came, I can't believe you said it. <laughs> and I went out that door, and I knew God did not go with me. I don't know how that works for me, but sometimes I know the location where he's at. And, and I know he didn't go with me. So I go out to the shop. Now I'm sitting in the shop by myself. And I realize, wow, I, he stayed in there with Wanda. I said, now I'm in the shop all by myself. Yeah. I said, no, I'm wrong and I'm by myself. Yeah. And I thought, boy, I need to get humble and go back and apologize <laughs> to my wife. But I thought, I ain't no fool. Yeah. I said, I'm going to sit out here for a while for the heat to blow over. You know, and after a little while, I went back in and... And thank God that he was staying in there with Wanda. And she's such a beautiful person because I went in there and said, baby, I'm sorry. I said, I, I shouldn't have said that to you. And I tried to blame Jesus for it. And I said, look, Jesus said it to me a week ago. I was just repeating it. <laughs> she said, sorry, I've already forgiven you. I was like, whew, good thing he stayed in there with her. You know, <laughs> but, you know kind of the point of the story was, it was his sense of humor right there. Yeah. You know? And so there, there's, there's the humor of who he is. I love it. In the adventure, the journey of, of Wonka, you get to know his personality. Yes. And you realize, Absolutely. wow, he had to have some of that with, when he was working with Pete and James and John and all them guys. You know? some of, We don't get to read all the points, you know? Maybe if you read it differently, you might see some humor in it, you know? But there'd be, there had to be times where they're like, wow, man. Where they just broke up, cracked up, you know? Mm -hmm. at the stuff he would say, you know? And... And do, you know, and, you know, I don't know if you've seen that episode of Chosen where the pool of Bethesda, the guy's trying to get yeah. in there when the water gets, have you mm -hmm. seen that episode? Absolutely. And I loved the very end of that there, because Peter comes to him and he goes, hey, sir, you know, Jesus, couldn't you have just waited half an hour? Half an hour, man, and the Sabbath would have been over. <clears throat> and then the priest would have never got mad at you. Why did you do it that way? And the scenes end with Jesus smiling, going, because sometimes you just got to stir the waters. You know? <laughs> and of course, I realize there's a dual meaning because whenever the water would get stirred, the guy would get in and get healed. Yeah. But the guy, Jesus was the water. He was the stirring of the waters oh, that the guy really needed. Oh, you know? So just some of the, the fun of it there, you know? I, can I tell you this? You know, one of the sort where the on the top subject of like so how someone exists outside of time but there are times when you know i've encountered him and i know exactly where he is i can't see him but i, I was in a church one time man and, and i'm standing in the lobby and and just like you can hear a voice as someone's walking by mm -hmm. you know you can tell they're walking mm -hmm. by well man just same way just like that i hear to go over there and i'll give you a word and it was like he was moving right by me and I turned in the direction he moved, and the moment I did, boom, he hit this lady. The Holy Spirit hit this lady, and this lady began to prophesy to a group of Native people, matter of fact. And I was like, oh, wow, man. I'm like, I, there's no way I could have moved that fast. But then I had to realize, wow, 
that was him walking past me right there. Yeah. And I'm not, I don't know how that works. I don't, I, don't, I don't pretend to understand that. I just know that at times I can be aware of that. You know, so and it, to me, I'm like, if I can be aware of that, then anybody can be aware of that. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it, it, I, it's maybe it's just a sovereign thing of his that he does. He goes, hey, I, I'm moving, but I'm going to let you know where. Mm-hmm. And I think in that particular, he's like, I'm just trying to teach you, man, that when you hear my voice, yeah. when you get the thought in your head, when you sense the prompting, learn to be quick to obey. Because if you learn to be quick to obey, you're going to receive the blessing that comes with it. You're going to receive the healing, the restoration, the blessing that comes with it, man. And the blessing, part of the blessing of it was that was an encouraging of your faith. Absolutely. That was a strengthening of your faith to go, wow, you, you are real. You're in control. Yeah. And, and you're concerned and you really care about me. Wow. He gives us hints and clues to keep nudging us along on this adventure. While we're on testimonies, do you want to tell your testimony, the part about when you were you're little and your dad was digging the ditch? Oh, well, that, it's one of the yeah, few things that I, I only know the story from as my, as my dad told it to me in recent years, but I, from my part of it as a boy, as an 11-year-old boy on the Hoopa Indian Reservation, uh, they were having like a bona fide outdoor camp meeting, and, and at that time in the in the early 1970s, uh, you know, it was just nothing but hippies and Indians, man, everywhere. And uh, they had this big campground, and and uh, the well went dry. They ran out of water. Well, man, there's a lot of people. I don't remember how many. I can remember one point, man, like there were hippies sleeping under trees, and Indian people under trees. They, they didn't have tents, man. They just slept all over the ground, wherever it was, you know. And I don't remember who, I guess they had other speakers coming to this gig, man. But they ran out of water, and my dad told me, that I remember them running out of water, and my mom working in this big old log kind of covered outdoor kitchen, kind of like the pavilion at Spirit Lake, mm-hmm. but this was big old log right. one, you know. And uh, she was making coffee and whatnot, and all these people were helping. And uh, so my old man, they, they ran out of water, my old man told me the story that they were, you know, they, they got to get water for all these people. I think there was hundreds of them. And uh, so one of the native people said, well, we're going to go get the shaman and he'll tell us where to dig. And my old man said, he told him, no, we won't get a shaman. We'll just pray and ask Jesus where to dig. Well, that offended the shaman. Well, then things got stirred up and the the Indian agent, the federal Indian agent on the reservation got involved, the BIA guy, you know. And uh, so in the end, they went up and they went up praying and... uh, God has told them where to dig, and they dig into the side of this mountain. I can remember seeing that, you know, kind of this half dug out, and they didn't dig very far in. I'm, I'm talking like no more, you know, maybe 20 feet into the side of a mountain, and all of a sudden this artesian spring comes out of the side of the mountain. And the, so they're digging this ditch from the mountain to the campground, you know. I'm thinking about it, my, you know, now I'm like, God, couldn't you have made that a little bit closer? Because I was the oldest boy, so it was my dad's hand digging this ditch, man. Being the oldest boy, I got to go in the ditch, and every time he dig out a big rock, I'm the guy carrying it out of the ditch, you know? And so that's what I remember as a kid, like, oh, man, you know? And so we're digging and digging, and uh, and all of a sudden, my old man just puts that, you know, we're like off the mountain, we're like probably halfway or more to the campground with the ditch, and uh, all of a sudden, he just puts down a shovel and climbs out of the ditch and goes. 
And so I was like, well, okay, I'm a kid. You know, like, I guess we're done. Well, I'm going to go play, you know. I'm going to go run and hang out with the hippies and the Indians and listen to the music, you know, and, and have a good time. And what I didn't know was, this is what my old man told me later, was as we were digging this ditch, uh, God began to speak to him. And one of the cool things, man, was kind of like what the people that you know you experienced on the reservation. He got taught that, you know, you cannot go preach in a church unless you're wearing a, a white shirt, a black suit, and a black tie. You can't go up on that podium. He, he had been taught all of this, uh, you know, religious ritual and regulation, you know, mm -hmm. tradition. And so he said that here's God talking to him, said, go preach. And he told God, I can't do that. I'm all dirty. I don't even have a black suit, a white shirt, and a black tie on. He said, God spoke to him a second time, said, I said, go preach. And he argued with God a second time. I thought, well, now I know where I got it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, finally, God spoke to him a third time and, and did not say it like a suggestion. He said, God said, I said, go preach. And he's, that's when he dropped the shovel and went out. And what my old man told me was, he, he told me this, he, my dad is like 80, 83 years old. He said, I pray one more time before I die, the power of God come on me like it did that day. Just one more time. And he w walked up to there. And what we didn't know was because that first shaman got offended. He went to the Yurok and the Karak in the reservation and got those two shaman. And the three shaman banded together and we're going to combine their power and stop this white man's God from coming mm -hmm. to the reservation. Well, what, what they, nobody knew was all three shamans were sitting in that church building that day. And they're doing their, you know, thing, trying to st stop this white man's God from coming. And my dad walked into the building, said he don't even remember what he said. But he just spoke out what the Holy Spirit told him to speak out. And all of a sudden, boom, these three shamans get hit by the power of God. No matter what magic they were trying to cook up, and it knocked them in the floor. Bam! Boy, they hit the floor, shot wailing and carrying on and shrieking. It set them church people, you know. My dad said mm -hmm. they was, you know, they were all, you know, singing and whatever, you know, and mm -hmm. speaking in tongues, maybe or something. I, I don't really know. I don't remember. I wasn't there for that part. But he said all three of those guys got set free and give the heart to Jesus Christ. And so that, that was a, you know, an amazing story to hear. Yeah. And I, I, I can remember being in the campground and, and literally, man, I'm telling you, it was in, it was like 70, uh, 72, 73, right in there. And it was literally hippies and Indians just everywhere, man. And they're, you know, music and, you know, singing just, you know, out in the, in the open air. And, and I, I still think in, you know, in my old age, man, I'd love to, I'd love to see something like that happen nowadays. Right. Where it's just a full-on open-air, bonafide, not come stay in a hotel. I'm talking bonafide, sleeping mm -hmm. under the trees, camp meeting, where you praise God and, and pray, worship God wherever you're at. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit be allowed to come and do wherever and whenever and however he, you know, yeah. he wants to, to do, you know. I would love to see it. You can't, can't be hippies. Still can be Indians, but can't be hippies anymore. Because <laughs> the hippies are all too old. You know, if you're trying to be a hippie now, that just makes you a new hippie, which makes you a nippy. You know, so, you know. <laughs> but, uh, that, you, you even, even knowing that testimony is a fruit of God restoring that relationship with your father. Absolutely. Well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it also demonstrates how God's calling on, on the father he extends to the son as well. He want it like that that experience that your dad had, and the experience that you've had, and the the DNA is not an accident. Even when right. it's like it wasn't what you thought. It's like God God say I I know this, and the moment that that 
came about, whether it was God's first plan for what came about or not, the moment that came about, I wrote a new chapter. Yeah. And that redemption is already there, and mm -hmm. he's got it ready for the... Kind of like, kind of like Eric. I, did, I experienced all that too, growing up as a kid. You know, all of the the, the judgmentalism of religion and the self righteousness of religion. So much so that as a kid, you know, when I finally, when I turned fifteen, and my old man had a, and I had an an exchange, and and he said, "Hey, man, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you," you know. And I took off hitchhiking at fifteen years old. And I had so much encountered a lot like what you did on the reservation that when I went out of there, I'm like, look, if there's really, if there's a God, then I, I don't want nothing to do with him. Mm -hmm. When I went to hitchhike up into the Quinault Rainforest and went to work in a sawmill with two old bikers named Itchy and Titch. And Itchy and Titch never once hit me. They never once condemned me, never mm -hmm. once, you know, uh, told me I was stupid and no good, no, no, none of that. You know, I thought, well, if these ones are going to hell and those ones are going to heaven, I'd rather go to hell. Yeah. You know, and I, and I lived that way for 17 years until I encountered Jesus Christ for who he really is. And like you, I encountered that love of mm -hmm. Christ and it was the love that changed me. Mm -hmm. And I had made a classic mistake of judging God by the actions of a man. But that's why you see Jesus' anger at the Pharisees when he's telling them, you make them twice the son of hell that you are. Yeah. And that's, that's what God's been fighting as long as there's been people on this earth. <laughs> right? It's like even the ones who follow me are turning their kids, you know, they're convert, converts into sons of hell. Thank God he's relentless. And he, he will pursue you. And he, he, like we said just a little bit ago, he wants to reveal himself to you so bad. Mm -hmm. You know, he wants you so bad. But his timing is perfect. You know, I, I look back on it kind of like this, man. I, I think that God, you know, I know that God allowed all that in my life. He allowed it all in your life, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And, but God allowed me to go to 17 years of saying there is no God. Because I think what God was doing in my life was kind of like wiping the slate clean. That when I bring you back, when I, when I reveal myself to you, there's not going to be no religion here. There's not going to be some religious thing that you're going to have to deal with. Mm -hmm. It's going to be just me with a clean slate. And, and I'm going to start, you know, revealing myself to you in a way that is not only going to mess with your head, it's going to mess with folk around you, man. You know, it's going to mess with some of the religious folk.